With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Mountain West Wire, MW Wire, talking hoops. Jeremy Moss here with Eli Betker at our new, sort of new home. We haven't talked hoops in a while. We're back. Yeah, this is our first show on the new platform, so that's pretty excited to get going. If you haven't heard, if you're a first-time basketball listener, thank you. Our, um, if you listen to our podcast before, our feed is still the same at Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. We are now with collegefootballnews.com. Yeah, there's a football in there, but we talk hoops. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's backslash. Um, well, I won't say the backslash because at this moment, there's a change of process possibly. But at the moment, I'll say it anyways, um, collegefootballnews dot com backslash MWC wire same on Twitter Mount West Walker on Facebook all that fun stuff you'll find us um there's just a few uh legalese items that just came our way about two ten minutes ago <laughs> but we're good go to collegefootballnews.com you'll find our stuff that's what we're gonna do follow Betker underscore Eli myself Jeremy Moss and Spartans have a coach we're talking coaching news tonight we're talking I guess some early previews because we threw out questions and you guys delivered. Yeah, so this is the first podcast we've recorded in quite a while where we have all 11 head coaching spots filled. So that's unusual, but here we are in August, and they're finally all filled. And we have a – you produced a coaching ranking list that created some stirs. <laughs> I sure did, yeah. Apparently, um, people aren't a fan of Eric Musselman at number one, but we'll get to that later. Let's get to the coaching <laughs> news. So here's the thing about coaching searches. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's really bizarre. So I posted a list of I think twelve coaches uh, the morning after Dave Wojcik resigned, and it looked like I was I was pretty excited because at least three or four of the names were actually rumored to some extent out of the twelve. And for a coaching list, and that's the first one I've done. I don't think that's that bad because you're really just you're taking a stab at whoever might have interest uh, with no known information uh but that changed it ended up none of the coaches that i had written down were true contenders in the end uh, it's gene prelo that's the new san jose state head coach which is definitely not a name that i heard throughout the entire process so that's odd but we'll see what he does yeah like going through the coaching process because there's like people tossed out mike davis the former indiana coach like right away there's some NBA assistants, I believe. I forget who it was. Like Mark Spears of ESPN mentioned a few names, like two names. And then it was locked down for, what, two weeks? Yeah, at least. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing came out. And then there was – should we mention the name that most people thought was the front runner? Is that okay sure. to talk yeah. about? So there is a big buzz between you and others. And you talk – and well, before that, you know a lot of people coaching college hoops. You've been chatting with coaches and whatnot – there was more interest in this job than you and I probably both thought. Definitely. And part of it with your coaching list that came out, it came out in July. Like, Wojcik resigned for family reasons to go to the East Coast with his, was his mother, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's right. She's not doing all that great. And 
July, it's like, who needs a coach in July? Nobody needs a coach in July. <laughs> and so who are you looking for? Who's going to come in? It's going to be either, which ended up being correct with the assistant from Colorado. It's going to be either an assistant coach, a non-division one coach, which there was that guy from what Southern Connecticut who yep. was a finalist apparently. Somehow, I don't know, whatever. Or it's going to be like a retired coach. And that coach, which you named and other people who I talked with as well, Trent Johnson was apparently the front runner for a while to be the guy. And I think you and I agree that would be pretty terrible had it been the case. Yeah, I don't think it would have been wise for San Jose State to hire a coach that has already reached his peak as a head coach. This is a guy that uh, has already been a member of the SEC. It's odd because uh, I don't understand the connection, but at one point Trent Johnson and David Patrick, who were either a former TCU coach or current uh, current TCU assistant, which Patrick is right now, uh, both of those two were tied to the job. I thought Patrick was going to be the one that would get the job. Uh, he has a good track record as, in terms of recruiting. He's got Ben Simmons on a roster when he was on LSU, uh, Matthew Vadova to St. Mary's, um, and Aussie. he was a finalist. What's that? The Aussie connection. Yeah, a great Australian connection, which is definitely not – uh, the first time that would happen for the Mountain West, but that wasn't the case. So it was, it was a strange search, and just like the New Mexico one, which was the last position that was filled for Mountain West coaching trees, uh, we have another strange coaching search, but it ends up with what I would think is a better candidate than most imagined for um, <laughs> for looking for a coach in August, which is something that rarely happens, if ever. Yeah, and also, Patrick, we, had, we were chatting to like 1 a.m., like, how do we write – when you first mentioned because no candidate name has came out at all. Mm-hmm. And so you got word like other people like, well, here's a name that we know pretty sure. And you were pointed to the direction of his Twitter account. And like, oh, let's go take a peek. He literally followed everybody San Jose State related. Yeah. And got followed back by players and coaches. And so it's like we were debating, is he going to be the lead candidate? So like, nope, he's just a candidate. That's all I know. Because that's just conjecture if we're going to say he's the lead guy because – He's a clearly a candidate for falling. Nobody came out with that name except for you and the San Jose State Spear. That's it. Plus, mm-hmm. nobody nobody else is on this coaching search because, well, it's August. It's Mountain West, an even bigger picture. It's San Jose State who's been terrible for a long time. Right. And seeing him fall these names, he's like, okay, it's it should be him. We had an article ready to go. It's like you got word, announcements coming down Monday, press conference, potentially Friday. It was Friday night that we got word that it was the Colorado assistant, but – it looked like it was Patrick the whole way. And then we had other, which would have made it fun. TCU is currently in Australia right now. It's like, is he getting on the plane? Is he not? And then John Rothstein swoops in, and my sources tell me it's a Colorado assistant coach. <laughs> like, dang it. Yeah. However, however, we were the first ever article up and going, so good for that. Yeah, there we go. And, and we got one of the candidates' names, so that's cool. But this was really bizarre. And when I saw the name pop up, I wasn't sure I was reading the correct thing. Just because, I I mean, I've heard at least 10, maybe up to 15 names throughout the last four weeks. Because it was a long, long search. And Prelo's name did not appear once. Yeah, we heard coaches from the Pac-12, the WAC, the assistant coaches that are interested. Mm -hmm. But it's your coach. So what do we know about, give us your little rundown of the new coach now. What's up with the Prelo there like what's his uh, deal um so he he he's a pretty well respected assistant he's been to a number of places 
Uh, he's coming over from Colorado. He's also been at TCU, Iowa State, Marquette, Wichita State, Fordham. Um, he's been around for 18 years as an assistant. This is his first head coaching job. And something that I looked up, which I thought was really strange, and I don't know if other schools match this, but San Jose State has hired 12 coaches in its program history. 11 of them are first-time head coaches. So only once has San Jose State ever hired a coach who has already had D1 head coaching experience, uh, which is definitely interesting, and in some cases it hasn't worked out. Other cases have been slightly better, but they're taking the same stance here, hiring Prelo, who will be a first-time coach. He's gone to the NCAA tournament five times, NIT five times in 18 seasons, so uh, that's definitely something that intrigues San Jose State, who hasn't reached the NCAA tournament in a couple decades. Well, and also, he helped Colorado go back-to-back NCAA tournaments for the first time in 50 years. He actually helped them go to the big, or from Big 12 to Pac-12 to actually be a pretty good contender in that conference. Because Colorado's never been, no, not it's all him, but they have the former Air Force coach there. Correct. Is he still there, right? Tad Boyle? No. Right, yeah. he's Boyle's still head coaching, yeah. But he wasn't the Air Force coach previously, was he? That was, mm-hmm. um, shoot. No, it, it wasn't. Preservics or some, some some interesting, whatever. It wasn't him. I, I remember the Air Force coach went there a while ago. But doing that at CU is a pretty big deal. They're not a good basketball program overall, historically, clearly, with the two back-to-back and 50-year appearance. He recruits well, and he's been on the West Coast, like being with St. Mary's. Like that. All right. Crap. Am I getting the guys mixed up now? Yeah. He so has, I'm, yeah. Sorry, Wichita State. That's what I meant. Um, mm-hmm. TCU connection. It's – I. It's you could you could have done a lot worse, right? I think oh, Trent, Trent Johnson could have been worse. And then who is this other Connecticut coach? I don't even know who that is anymore. I forgot his name. Yeah, Scott Burrell from Southern Burl. Connecticut. That was a just a really odd name that came up. I looked into like he's been he played pro hoops. He was it was it Quinnipiac for one or two years, and then he's been the head coach for a while at Southern Connecticut. But like I couldn't find any connection to the AD or anything out west, and so I don't. My, it may, it, part of the reason, again, like your good stat of 11 coaches they've hired ever have been first time, it's a money issue as well. They don't have a ton of money. They are they were in the whack before. Mountain West doesn't make a ton of money. So they're not going to go out and get a big-time coach or even a reasonably – they're not going to pull – had this been in February, March or April, maybe they could have pulled the coach from UT Arlington perhaps. But even then, I don't know. You're in Arlington. He's done great things there. But – that's why I was really confused when I saw Mike Davis's name come up because, like you said, this isn't a job that's at the current time going to bring in a lot of money on a contract. And Mike Davis led Indiana to, I believe, two Final Fours. At least so, one. Yeah, at least one. And so that's a guy that's a high-profile name. And, I mean, once you get in the position where you're coaching one of the top five largest programs in the country, it's hard to have that reality check of coaching – a team like San Jose State, and I don't mean to bash San Jose State, but that's just quite the drop off from once you from where you once were in your career. Yeah. So I I like this hire. I think it's a decent hire for sure. Yeah, and the only thing with Davis, I think that would make sense, similar to like Mike Godfrey from North Carolina, North Carolina State. They've already made the money, and they don't need the money. They don't need like a big time paying job. Mm-hmm. However, San Jose State's a really hard job. It's not like you're going to. Let's say like a decent, like going to 
I'll give an example of a school I went to. Iona College. They've always been pretty good at basketball. Like say Mike Davis was uh, like a, like it was Indiana, and going to a school like Iona or going to like a, a high level Missouri Valley or even going to like even a what's in the Mountain West comparable? New Me- I guess New Mexico kinda, where it's still a pretty good job. They've had success, but not amazing success overall. I could see a guy like Mike Davis, like, yeah, I'll go to New Mexico. I know I can get talent. Or, like, go to Iona. You're, you're near New York City. Law transfers go there. You you have a good talent-rich area. San Jose State has talent in the Bay Area, but they've been awful. And so it's a hard gig. Going to New Mexico, not that it's an easy job, but there's people who are interested in playing out in New Mexico or playing at these upper-tier not mid-major schools. And so I could see Davis doing that, but not going to San Jose State. That name was there just because, hey, he's a recent big-time coach got fired and nobody else is available. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Paul Weir thing, this and Paul Weir are similar in that, like, except for New Mexico was had it was an open book for their coaching search. <laughs> <laughs> Final Four, interviewing this guy. Paul Krebs here. The UTA coach, the Florida Gulf Coast was, coach was going to be considered. Then you get New Mexico State. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So – what do you want to go? Let's go to our coaching. Out of the three coaches that are new coming in this year, we have like Prule. Wait, how is this? A Prule or Prelu? Prelo. Prelo. Jean Prelo. Jean, the Frenchman. <laughs> I'll just call him the Frenchman. No, I'm kidding. You got three new coaches. You got him, Brian Dutcher at San Diego State, and then Paul Weir. In your rankings, we'll start with these guys. You put Weir six, the highest amongst these other coaches. Why was Weir ahead of, say, of Dutcher, who's been with Steve Fisher forever? Um. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I think I like what uh, Ware brings to New Mexico. It's definitely a fresh face. Um, he had he had solid success last year, and I think this is a guy that has definitely received a lot of attention for head coaching gigs. So it's nice that New Mexico is able to snag him. I think Brian Dutcher is a bit of a gamble because. Unlike Paul Weir, he's never coached a D1 game before, and he obviously has that connection with Steve Fisher for, uh, what, since 1989, so they go way back, but it's assistant coach is way different than being a head coach. You have a lot of responsibility, and uh, I I can't put all my eggs in the same basket and, and go all in on a first-time head coach because it's just it's risky. You never really know how it'll turn out. Um, so that's, I think... Maybe at the end of the season you could interchange the two. Obviously, New Mexico is not going to be great this year. San Diego State probably will, um, but that's where I have it right now, and that's based solely on experience. I'd say that makes sense. I was thinking thinking about that too. You got he's the only guy with head coaching experience, and so we, like even though Dutcher's been around for decades, it's different being number two, number one. That's a big even though the seat's six inches away, it's a pretty big deal. Yep. So you got so overall on your list, and then you put. Um, uh, good old Jean down there at the bottom at ten, just because. <laughs> yeah, so I had a question asking him, asking why he was ahead of Pilipovich, which I think is a very legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that the ceiling is definitely higher for Prelo right now than it is for Pilipovich, and that Air Force job is just so difficult. Trying to bring quality talent to a roster like Air Force, but um, yeah, I, th- I think Prelo is going to be a solid coach. And with yeah, we'll start the list like Pilipovich is at the bottom, but they do bring back two guys who because um, I did a quick article. They're playing Army at Madison Square Garden, which is a pretty big deal that in December, and they're bringing back I think was it eight guys who played ten or more minutes, a couple double digit scores, so they have talent or potential to be not as bad, but they always play a terrible schedule, which Craig Thompson hates, and 
the year they were even good, like really good, where they won the Mountain West, they lost in the first round of the Mountain West tournament, didn't get NCAA tournament bid because they lost in the first <laughs> round. So it's and I was like, I don't remember what year that was. And I think it was back when uh, TCU and Utah and BYU were still in the conference when when it was a much better basketball conference, and they actually won the freaking Mountain West. But it, it's just hard to win, and so. If he's ever going to get much higher, he's not going to be at Air Force for much longer. Mm-hmm. Now, with Utah State, Durier taking over for Morrill, not it's like I mentioned, the conference uptick, Big West, WAC, Mountain West. But I think part of with that is that obviously it's more tougher schedule. And, you know, Stu Morrill schedules, man. His schedule's terrible. And Durier's trying to change that. <laughs> and, well, getting here's that thing my comparison between Durier and Dutcher. It's that could be Dutcher's future, but getting talent to San Diego compared to Logan, Utah, come on, not a competition by any means because I've been to Logan in March and December, not a fun place to be. Yeah, there's a lot of geographical issues with with how recruiting goes, and it's the same thing for Laramie and Wyoming because seemingly no one has much many good things to say about that or, or Air Force or even San Jose because the players that – come from the Bay Area, they immediately draw attention from Cal and San Diego State and UCLA and other San, programs San like Mary, that. Stanford, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot more schools. And then, like, East Wyoming, you have Allen Edwards, seven. And one good thing we should touch on as well, the new NCAA rule about the selection committee, they are – it's a – what is it? Increasing road games. Is that correct? Putting more emphasis on road games? Yeah, so the way that the team sheets were previously set up is – uh, like many of us college basketball followers have heard so many times over the last however many years is you got your top 50 wins, you have 51 through 100 wins, 101 to 200, and 201 plus. And so now they've adjusted it and definitely haven't memorized it or will anytime soon. But it weighs your victories and your losses based on locations of games, which I think uh, is a is a very good inclusion on the team sheets because – now you, you don't wait a victory over, say, the 25th-ranked team on the road the same as you would if you beat the 25th-ranked team at home, which is a very it's, – it's a big distinction because it's much more challenging to win on the road than it is at home or at a neutral site. So that's adjusted a lot, and I think it impacts conferences like Mount West or Big West or West Coast Conference because they obviously play far more games on the road than the power conferences do. So it it should help out the Mountain West, and it's not like this team or this conference becomes a multi bid league overnight because of this. But uh, it's a small step towards ensuring that the top sixty eight teams are in the tournament every year. So I think it's definitely a good change by the selection committee. And like why I mean, they always complain about it because it's it's hard to get home home games. You're not going to get. Uh... Even Colorado playing Wyoming, you're not going to get them at Laramie usually. Or playing whatever, decent, above-average team here, like Utah or Cal or Oregon State coming to Laramie's tough. Like, look at Colorado State. They played Kansas State at the Pepsi Center. They couldn't get them at home. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think this will be a thing where Wyoming – because Wyoming scheduled – what did they schedule recently during the offseason? Was it a – Maybe it was I mean, I'm thinking Oregon State. It was a home and home with Oregon State they just recently scheduled, I believe. Yeah, they'll they'll be playing at Oregon State on the second game of the season this year. And I think yeah, there's a home and home with a couple, which is good. I don't think this is gonna make a change where oh Wyoming's gonna only go out and go out, go out and schedule, say, 
Wichita State, Butler, Texas Tech, or Florida, you know what I mean, teams like that, or Big East teams, just because it's a road game. They still want people at home because you want to make money, you want to get playing from your home crowd, get a good upset, because the home court advantage in the Mountain West is one of the best, out of the country, you probably know better than me, while you're research you're doing all these different items but as we've seen the past couple of years the mountain west home schedule like fresno state's beating good teams at home they beat san diego state at home last year correct they're san jose state's beating people at home i want to say that the mountain west and I, I wrote this somewhere on some article maybe it was on the article about the same subject that the mountain west is the only conference to rank in the top 10 in home win conference percentage over the last maybe four or five years so that's impressive, and that's or no, sorry, they were one of the two conferences. I don't remember what the other one was, uh, but yeah, this conference is known for having very passionate home crowds, and it definitely gives the home teams a boost. So uh, it's important to win games on the road when you can to help your team sheet come Selection Sunday. So that's a big deal because Mount West they're not going to get they're getting two for one. I don't see why they don't get more two for ones occasionally. And there's guys like who cover the. Um, beat riders like well they want home games like yeah but you could occasionally do two for ones or do like home home neutral every now and then but it's gonna be a big deal like when you see because you and because honestly UNLV and San Diego State only teams that can get quality teams at home because UNLV is getting Arizona this year they played Duke at T-Mobile which is close enough last year they can get teams to come to town but if you're Boise State who has to go to Wisconsin to play or for Utah State who has to go to BYU or Utah or play at Salt Lake City instead or San Jose State, so we kind of jumped off topic there, but that's not a big deal. It's okay. That's what we do, right? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've done it before. It's not the first time. And so it's, it's it's a good thing. I want to touch on it when we mention Wyoming because they can't get home games. So I, do you think it's going to be a big impact? Like, how would you – like, you, we noted the stat sheet. And is this taking place this year? Is that right? Yes, it's taking place this year. And the other good news is that uh, there are rumors – I don't know how – how likely it is but yes the rpi should be going away uh, as early as the 2018 season so it'll still be in place for this year but after uh this season is complete we should see uh, i know matt norlander has definitely talked about this a handful of times it should be a composite ranking which takes uh ken palm and massey and sagrin and all these advanced stats that are a much better indication of team quality than the outdated RPI. So that's another uh, – it, it definitely helps out the Mountain West, all these changes that are happening. It, it's just a committee trying to ensure that their tournament brackets are as good as they can be. Yeah, and, like, there'll be some – maybe they'll be more willing to get some high-profile games on the road, but I don't think you'll see New Mexico going out and playing UCLA on the road, Texas, and uh, Duke or something, you know what I mean? Or doing what Utah Valley's doing this year. They're going – Back-to-back nights at Kentucky, at Duke. Oh, yeah, I saw you mention that Utah Valley schedule. That one was tough. Yeah, there, Mark Pope. I love the coach, but, man, in super early odd pick, UVU, they're going to be a team to watch. I'm going. Calling, I'm going right now. They're playing at BYU. They're hosting BYU. I'm going to be at that game. That'll be awesome to see. So let's move on. Paul Ware, sixth. We discussed him a bit. Number five, people are kind of upset a little bit. Marvin Menzies at five. I think – you put him there partly because UNLV had mass exodus and you don't really know what he can do yet. And they're awful in his first year. And so there's that too. Yeah, I think five is pretty fair. There was probably an argument to put him ahead of Rodney Terry, who's number four on this list. The recruiting class that he was able to bring in this offseason is huge. 
but now it's up to Menzies to turn a recruiting class into victories, which is something that we'll see. Obviously, he did great things at Mexico State, but the stage is a little little bit bigger in the Mountain West. Uh, UNLV is definitely a larger program, definitely a bigger program profile. Um, so, yeah, Menzies number five for now, but that could definitely change. All right, then we had a question. We'll get to one of the questions now about Jordan Johnson at UNLV because he's coming in from Milwaukee. Do you have any quick thoughts on him about what to expect? Here's yeah, I think least... I think the question regarded what his impact is on this season, and i I would probably say he's I would probably say he's the most important player on this team. So he's uh, sat out last season. He's a senior point guard this year, so he'll definitely be a starter. He was second in the country in assists per games in the assists per game in the twenty sixteen season. Uh, fantastic uh, distributor which is something that this team will really like, especially if they play up-tempo. And I also looked at it in this sense, and that's uh, that Milwaukee ranked 261st in tempo that final season that Jordan Johnson was there. And last year, UNLV was almost 100 ranks higher than that. So definitely a possibility that Jordan Johnson could lead the entire nation and assist this next year. Definitely has a lot of offensive scores on that team. So I think, I think he's going to be huge for the Rebels. I also think Brandon McCoy, because he was in that U19 national team and doing pretty good mm-hmm. as well. Like he was one of the most, I think, before the fight, headed into the semis or something, because the U.S. got third. He was like the most efficient offensive player in the whole tournament or something. Yeah, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Something, something along those lines. One of the most efficient offensive players. And they kind of split up minutes there where you, you'll play, basically everybody plays at least 10 minutes or so, and he played about, what, 15 to 20 maybe more at times, but with Coach Cal, Cal Perry there coaching everybody, kind of basically split up playing time, see what groups are doing good. So he's, I think he's the only top 100 recruit of the class to go to a non-power conference as well at McCoy and to UNLV. And so you got Rodney Terry. Are you as high in them as some people are? There's a few saying they could win the conference this year. No, I'm definitely not. And a lot of people, I haven't seen anyone put Fresno State lower than I have. Um, and that's because Fresno State's front court isn't as deep as I'd like it to be. And almost every other team in this conference bolstered their front court to some extent this offseason. And Fresno State has like two, three legitimate bodies that can play there every night. So that's my main concern. Their backcourt is awesome, uh, but that front court is definitely a big question mark. All right, so then let's wrap this up. Then we get some of our questions here because we don't need to go extremely long in this first basketball show back, even though we're about 30 minutes now. Actually, let's do this real quick. Let's take a quick timeout. I need to go get a sip of my Coke Zero or something here before they run out and get that Coke Sugar Zero or whatever it's called. <laughs> I'll get a sip of that, and we'll be back in just a second here. All right, so let's get back to our next um, part of the schedule here of the uh, coaches Countdown. I'll tell you that Coke Zero Vanilla, very good, guys. Excellent. You should try some. <laughs> Product placement right there on the MWC Wire podcast. Not a show sponsor, but we do have plenty of good sponsors if you want to check that out. Texture, they're pretty good too, I heard. So listen to <laughs> – we'll get to stuff there. But we want to give a little – make sure it's in the middle where we get a little 60-second break. So hope you guys listen to that very closely because we appreciate that. <laughs> Next on the list, though, we got Terry. Then we got Larry Eustachie. A couple things with them. Let's kind of go to the questions that we have with them as well. Eustachie and Rice, that's a close call for me as well. But I think I don't know. I may have, I may have put Eustacey second just because they played like nobody last year. They had like five players essentially on the team, and he did good things. Like they ended up, they came out of nowhere, kind of exceeded the expectations. But 
it's kind of splitting hairs from what Rice and East Asia can do because neither school has been a great basketball program the past decade or two, especially Boise. CSU's had their run here or there, but East Asia 3, that's I'm fine with it. And from what he did last year, that's my only reason I'd stick him at 2. But 3 is perfectly fine. Yeah, I think those two are interchangeable. I went with Rice at number 2 because uh, their basketball program was – next to nothing before Rice came in, and now he's turned them into almost a guaranteed 20-win team every season. Uh, I have no problem with people putting Eustachian in number two, though. That's definitely a legitimate argument right there. So let's go to the roster. We had some re- recent news with Rams with Che Bob, unfortunately. Is he um, still on the team? Because he um, missed a uh, – it went from he had a DUI or something a year ago. He's arrested. But I guess he did appear in his court appearance recently about probation. And now there's issues because of that. And that's another chapter to the book of Shea Bob because this is one of the three players that was suspended this past season. Uh, all Juco transfers that missed the last 15 or so games, which was the reason why Colorado State had to operate on such a short rotation. Uh, he was one of those guys that was suspended due to academics. Yeah, officially he was failed to appear for a June twenty third court appearance about his probation. It's like what? What's? Yeah, you're okay. You already got in trouble for something pretty serious. All you gotta do, I don't know what the hearing is for. I got a pop up ad, so I can't read into it, and I forget what it said before. But these guys show up. It's basically, I believe, if I'm correct on this, it's basically like one of those things. Oh, you got to meet with your something with your parole or probation officer. You just show up. He was in jail for a couple hours back in uh, June, $150 bond. And he originally he was arrested back in August last year for a DUI. He got a misdemeanor offense, played guilty to a month later. So this is basically, and also suspend license driving, which, come on. And night without headlights on. Come on, really? <laughs> that was dismissed, but still. And, but it's like, just all you got to do is show up because you're not getting in any worse trouble by not showing up. I mean, by showing up. This is what you're supposed to do. And so... What you just read right of, there is probably enough. If I were running the show to kick someone off the team, uh, I mean, that's that's quite the list that you had right there. So we'll, I, we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know if he's kicked off the team yet, but if he's not, I'd be pretty surprised because that was quite the laundry list of legal issues he has going on right now. Yeah, because it was a suspicion of DUI, either drugs or alcohol, which probably means... His um, I'm I guarantee the well I can't guarantee but the reason why it's worded this way suspicion because he probably declined a breathalyzer test which means you're automatically guilty of something because if you decline that and it's harder to test if you had pills or something or drugs because unless you can visibly tell there is not like a breathalyzer test if you're taking mm-hmm. whatever pain pills or illicit drugs and then like you put here yeah the license and no lights on it's like come on and then you stacy mentioned we've taken this matter very seriously and i've been monitoring his progress towards resolving this issue which occurred last summer we're disappointed in his action to have counseled him on the program standards and expectations we were aware of the warrant issued yesterday and he's handling the outstanding issues associated with that so it's like i don't what what, what do you have better to do like what? What happened? You did not like I just forgot. You know I don't. I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a lack of 
care or, or awareness or something like that. Yeah, yeah, responsibility, exactly. And that's something that, uh, as far as his track record goes, is not something he has a whole lot of. So I'd probably be surprised if he appears in a game for the Rams next season. Yeah, and it's a big enough deal where you get arrested for it. It's not like you're not showing up and, like, a warrant. It's like, there's – I don't never had that legal issues myself, but it's a big enough issue where you get arrested for not showing up. It's not like, oh, hey, you missed your appointment. Let's reschedule. Even if you don't, <laughs> right. don't call. But it's, it's, it's a big enough deal where it's DUI last year. Part of your probation, the reason you got a lesser sentence, because you agreed to terms A, B, and C, and then you fell this one. So, And then speaking of the rest of the roster, they had a lot of guys there – Missing this year, the couple guys like Clavels in the NBA with the uh, Mavericks, a couple guys in the Summer League, they had a couple guys transfer as well. So one of the questions was, like, what are your early thoughts on the roster? I know it's super early, but do you have any uh, indication of what it could be? Um, As far as starting lineup, I'm not entirely sure. I know that Colorado State's in the Bahamas right now, so we'll know a lot more about what their roster looks like in a few Watch. days. But yeah, uh, they've they've got a really good backcourt. They have a ton of guys that are going to be legitimate players this season. Uh, a couple of JUCO guys. I know Alonzo Tyson and Dion James are both on the JUCO top 100. I want to say Tyson is in the top five, so that's a very legitimate player there at a power forward position. Uh, obviously, losing Clavel and Amagua is huge because that's at least 25 points a night that you won't retain this season. So we'll definitely see some fresh faces. But I don't think this team's going to be awful by any means. They're, they're far too talented to be that. Is there any players coming in? Like, the, Here's the exact question. They want to update in the roster. They are down to seven last year and had grads and transfers. So just as Juco guys coming in, and depending on what um, Shea Bob, if he's going to play or not, that's a big deal as well. Yeah, it's it, it will, definitely won't be a six-man rotation this year. And it's the same thing with Nevada. Both of these teams might not be – as star-oriented as they were last year, but they're much deeper, so that's definitely something, and uh, fatigue won't set in nearly as quickly as it did last year, though both teams handled it very well, and that's why they met in the championship game, but this team should be at least eight or nine players deep, so that's a benefit for you, Stacey. All right, so we got to Leon Rice. They um, almost lost. They did lose Nick Duncan, unfortunately. He's gone forever. forever. Man, I'll have to watch some Nick Duncan highlights tonight. Is he going to join Hugh Greenwood and play Australian Rules Football or something? Or Alex? Oh, Kirk? gosh. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be great. Uh, no, it's Kirk because I think – wasn't Greenwood signed a deal recently with some Australian League, NBL, I believe? He he did, and he's been playing really well as, from what I've seen, so that's cool. But they do have Chandler Hutchinson back. That's a big – or shoot. Yes, he's back, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, he decl- – sorry, basketball. I'm trying to think of all these names. He did declare but came back. So that's a big deal. And he's number two. That's fine. Number one, Musselman. Not a shock at all because if you want to think of bad basketball programs, outside of having when Trent Johnson was younger and a good coach with Nevada, they've been pretty bad between Johnson until now. And he people complain. Somebody complain on Twitter. Well, he just brings in transfers. What's he going to do? He can't recruit players or keep his coaches. Well, A, if you can't keep your coaches, you're doing a good thing because you're winning and people want your coaches. And who cares how you're getting players, right? His, he's been there two years and had to do what he could to fill, fill out a freaking roster. The, yeah, and the thing that is huge is he's bringing in players like the Martin Twins and Kendall Stevens from Purdue. These are already established players that 
um, can be immediate producers and that you, you never really know with freshmen because even if you have four-star freshmen, three-star freshmen, some just don't pan out. And if you already have established guys that have played 50, 60 games at the collegiate level, then that definitely is a big boon for your roster. So I don't I don't have any issue with what Musselman's doing. He's definitely changing college basketball in the process by bringing in all these transfers and assembling some fantastic rosters in the process. And he turned down the cow jobs. That's good. Yeah. So we have another question here really quick. Um, I'm going to read exactly what it is from the big fish. I would read your Twitter. I will read their Twitter, Twitter handle because I guarantee this is a random generator Twitter handle at starts off. Good. Randy me. So Randy M I. Then it goes crazy. Seven six. Is this his phone number? Seven six seven eight five seven six. Is that your social? We have our first. We have our first uh, MWC wire Colin. So that's that's pretty bold. Good for him. Is that what that is? is that your social or something? I don't know. <laughs> Birthday or something? I don't know. But they they ask who is your favorite in the Mountain West. I don't know if it's a joke question because they say UNLV or UNR. Clearly Nevada. <sighs> Wonder if he wonder if he lives in in Nevada, but yeah, it's definitely Nevada. It's not UNLV right now. I don't they know are, how often teams are, go from worst to first, but they are a fifth grade teacher in Las Vegas. So okay, well there you go. So yeah, it's definitely Nevada. I don't think any other team as of right now is anywhere close. No, and then a few other questions we have here. Um, I'm going to address this, even though I did on Twitter. Um, you have uh, Noah Robotham. Robotham, he's out this year. He's a transfer. He's eligible 2018, so he's not not playing this year, folks. Sorry. Had two questions on him. Next question. You did more research on this than me, so I'm going to defer to you. Who's the best guy, 6'9 or big or taller? Basically, who are the top three big guys in the conference? Could I just chime in and say, is Brandon McCoy one of your top three? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's number one. So he's at seven foot. That's a five-star. That's a pretty easy pick. I also have Ryan Waylidge from San Jose State, who averaged 13 points per game last year as an underclassman, so expect him to um, make a significant leap this year. And also Alan Herndon from Wyoming. This is a guy that averaged, uh, he was in the top 10 for minutes, rebounds, and blocks per game. He'll be a senior this year. So those are three solid big men to watch out for this upcoming season. I got a few more questions here. I'm just kind of scroll through. Again, thank you for the questions because we usually ask for questions to get nothing. So I'm guess we're a hoops podcast, not mostly or not, but uh, okay. Here's another couple. Here's um, shoot. There's a few more here. Crap. I had a couple. There's one about expansion, but there's a funny one till we get to as well. I think that was the last legitimate question. Oh no. Here's, here's what it is. Um, Fresno state's been bringing in a lot of transfers. He talked about Texas and m forward, Eric Vila coming in. Is he eligible at the moment? He's not. He, he has to sit out this season He'll have three years of eligibility. Uh, he, he was incredibly inefficient last year, so hopefully he can work on that. It's a big body for Fresno, which is something that they've lacked the last few years, so it's good for them to get a power forward slash center, and we'll see what he does. But, yeah, he'll be sitting out this year. Yeah, he's a 6'11 guy, played at Texas A&M out of Spain, and he played what tw- looks like a 12 minutes last year per game. Tried to shoot three-pointers, not very good, 22%. Each. <laughs> Yeah. A couple rebounds a game. Yeah, he basically mop-up duty for a average, at best, Texas A&M basketball team. Before, there's two questions. One's sort of silly. I'd say they both are. Somebody had a quick question about – they got it right under the wire about um, the Mountain West passed up on Wichita State. Any potential candidates for expansion? Grand, 
they put Grand Canyon, but I'm assuming they mean Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've both agreed on this for quite some quite some time. Yeah, St. Mary's and Gonzaga. There's no point in Gonzaga leaving, even though that would be if they could get them. Yes, but I mentioned during Mountain Football Media Days, Craig Thompson needs to promote the league better instead of just saying him versus the American in football, saying, "Well, our record is what it is." But Joe Fan from Texas and Florida and Oklahoma and Iowa are going to look up Boise State's or Colorado State's football record against Team X or B. It doesn't matter. So you got to get the wins. And I, we still wish Wichita State would have came. That would have been great. I still say Grand Canyon has the potential. Market size is decent, even though eyeballs aren't really there in Phoenix. They have an amazing gym. That's the only game in town for that school. They don't have football. And so... If they could swing Grand Canyon, they should do it. So, But officially, there's nothing going on about that. Yeah, I think Craig Thompson said something like, uh, we have no interest in expanding in the immediate future. So yeah, uh, not, if Grand Canyon does come over, it's not going to be for quite a while. Yeah, basically, I think it's, it was running, it's, not, it's not like it was on the agenda past couple of years where it's always something. It's basically like, it's, they, it's like, well, listen, it's there, but it's not like, okay, we're topic X. We're talking about what team we want to bring in or – hoping not to lose Colorado State to the Big 12 or something. And finally, the most important question here. Did you see this one, Eli? Horse? Yeah. Yep. Have you ever played basketball on a – what's your highest level basketball um, playing, I guess? Um, well, I've I've been playing my entire life, but as far as playing on a team within a school, middle school, but, I mean, I've, I've played throughout high school. I still play about – I try to play at least half hour, forty five minutes a day. So, I've, I've, pu- I've put my time in. Okay, so horse, what type of player are you? Because you're, you're. Well, I'm six four. You're just shorter than me, so you're probably guard play. I'm assuming. Yeah, and I have like, I have. I'm not good at one on one because I don't have any like isolation fancy moves. Just spot up shooter. Just give me the ball at the three point line, and I'll fire away. So, what would be your go to shot in horse then? I like the left corner for sure. I can beat people at horse, but one-on-one is tough because usually the person I'm playing is taller than me or has fancy moves. So See, I would dominate one-on-one because I'm reasonably tall. And so playing on a team, I was okay, but I'm like, I just back you in and block your shot every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, yeah, you would block me all the time. That's all I do. I'm like, I'm going to post you <laughs> one-on-one. But horse, I'm a, I don't have any like trick shot. I don't know. It's like I haven't played horse in forever, so it's hard to think of what I would actually do. Maybe try the sky hook, but I'm not very good at the sky hook. <laughs> I would probably do some sort of shot where it's like behind the backboard over the top because it's so unique. Or I'd call like a big shot from some weird angle just because. But I, I would say you play more than I do currently, so I'd say you beat me. I don't know who else plays basketball, so on our who writes for us, so let us does, know. Does Matt play any basketball? I don't know. He plays Overwatch quite a bit, I believe. I think I think Justin's pretty athletic. He might be. I know he's a um he coached um, at least part of his job. I think he's like a PE teacher of some sort in either junior high or something. I forget. But, hmm. So there's some athletic there. You got to do something. You got to know what you're doing to coach kids, right? Yeah. Well, it, someday we need to assemble an MWC wire horse contest. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll do videos of here. Make this shot. I'm at this marker on the court. Your turn. Pass the video along or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll put <laughs> some. Yeah. We'll put some videos together. Maybe we should do. That. That's a pretty good idea. We, need, we haven't made videos yet, so maybe that's something we should do. <laughs> yeah, there we go. 
All right, so because apparently everybody likes video these days, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> any other basketball news we need to touch on since we went through our top list, coaching list you made, the new hire out in San Jose State. Um, we got some teams. Utah State's going to Europe, I believe, as we speak. You said the Rams are out in the Bahamas. Um, uh, UNLV released their schedule, and it's pretty awful. It's as bad as it's ever been over the last 15 years. But at the same time, it's a chance for the team to gel and put up some wins, which is something that – uh, they've been pretty short of the last couple of years, but it's an it's an awful schedule. I don't I would not pay much money to go see Prairie View A and M. They got shiny key Arizona coming to town. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, and that they'll probably be the number one team in the country, so that might not be all that interesting after all. Got a few schedules out. Like I think New Mexico is out a little bit. You have, like I mentioned, Air Force plan, um, Army at Madison Square Garden. That's pretty cool to be out there. Um. We'll get to more. Scary. Oh, there's there's one other uh, big news tidbit that came out yesterday, and that's that Ohio State transferred Jaquan Lyle transferred to oh, New Mexico. That's right. So that's significant. This is a guy that averaged 11 points and five assists per game at a Big Ten school, which is very impressive. The downside, though, is that Lyle has quite the history in terms of off the court issues, which is probably why. Uh, the book was open for him to transfer to the Lobos. He was he was arrested in May, public intoxication, criminal mischief, disorderly conduct, and that's after he quit the team. So might have a bit of a head case on the roster, but it is a guy that's going to produce if he's on the court. He'll set out this season. He'll have two years of eligibility left, and hopefully he'll be able to produce for the Lobos for a couple seasons. I think that I think that's our show for tonight. Off-season hoop show, pretty good. Our first one at uh, would call footballnews.com. So check us out there. Like our stuff, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Just search Mountain West Wire. You'll find us. Um, disregard what I said at the beginning of the show of maybe changes. We're good to go. Got the email saying we're fine for our, <laughs> social, for our social media accounts. We may have a particular new URL uh, soon because some dummy bought one out from the underneath uh, underneath from us the day we're supposed to buy it. So thanks to that can- Canadian jerk. That's all I know. You're in Toronto. I'm going to find you one day and see what we can do. But that's our show for tonight. We are going to start pretty soon our basketball weekly previews. Do we have a, do you have a specific order you want to go in, or should we just leave it up to people and vote on it? Uh, yeah, I think we should do what we do with the football and just leave it up to the people. All right. We'll probably start these. Uh, we want to probably September, I'm believing, we'll start. So. We'll probably bank a few going up the next couple weeks, but start looking for these in middle of September. Excuse me, maybe early September. We'll see if we'll do one or two a week, but check those out. Follow you. Also the top 25 list. Oh, yeah, top 25 players list. That will start in mid-September as well to go through about Halloween. So if you want to be part of that, let us know. But if, you're, if you really want to be part of that, head over to our Patreon accounts. Yes, shameless plug again here. Patreon.com <laughs> backslash MWCWire. If you contribute, was it three bucks a month for all of our work? Our work's always free. Like at College Football News, it's always free. Don't worry about it. But if you want to help support the podcast, uh, get like me and Matt say burrito money or something, help us out. It's if you do great. If not, read our stuff, listen to podcast. That's good as well. But if you want to be part of the top twenty-five process and get your vote counted, if you're a contributor at Patreon for three bucks a month. You will be on the list. We'll give you a shout-out in the podcast and stuff as well and a few other cool things we're doing. But that's one way if you want your vote heard. And our we- other stuff we'll do, like other power polls and stuff, go sign up there. And 
yeah, check out our stuff. So that's what we want to hear from everybody else. And we will start in a couple weeks start talking hoops. This feed as well, really quick so everybody's aware. We got if you subscribe to the feed, we appreciate it. Give us a review on iTunes, um, Stitcher, whatever other platform we're on. Tune in. Tell a couple friends. That's pretty cool, right? Tell your best friend. You want to be smart, right? So listen. To, well, listen. To, <laughs> oh yeah. Listen to Eli at least. Me, I don't know, but <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit. We, um, we do just fine. Here. We do just fine. Basketball. I I know where my limits at, and I do I get my work done, but. You are the more expert in hoops, but yeah, just give us a follow. Listen, it's great. That's why we had a little ad in the middle of the show, just because to help us out. But we got hoops. Hoops is coming up here, and I'm excited. I want a minimum two bid conference league this year. Has to be the minimum. And I want um, what's another fun goal we could have? Um, I want you UNLV UNLV to be better because the league's better when the Rebels are better, and it's fun to talk about. Definitely, yeah. And, I like those two goals. And third. What's your Heat Check website? Because I forget at the moment. Yeah, heatcheckcbb.com. So Heat and then Check and CBB like college basketball. You're doing a lot of analytical stuff over there. Like you've done schedule, like recruiting for like uh, what state recruits or what school recruits each state the most. Is that one of your most recent ones? Yeah, I have that one. Yeah, and one on transfers. Yeah, check it out. There's all like it's not an epidemic. Transfers are everywhere. Don't don't get too caught up in hear people saying there's a transfer epidemic. <laughs> there are 351 Division One teams, I believe. So, and how many transfers were there? 700, I believe. Is that about right? This year, I think the last time I checked, there were 780, and I know that two years ago, I think there was 850. That's barely two per school. That's not that many. Yeah, North Carolina is the only. Only team that has not had a player transfer out of its program over the last six years. All the other 350 teams have. So, so no one's immune. Yeah, it's it's like two two per school, one or two per school. Come on, that's not that many. And there's a million reasons people transfer. Like we talked about the Ohio State guy get kicked off the team. Okay, that sucks. Transfer. There's grad transfers. The only thing I have an issue with, not to go into a new topic, it kind of stinks if you are a a guy from a low major conference, like you're playing in the Big Sky or the SoCon or the MEAC. And you want to try your hand at a higher conference for one year. I don't like that that much, but again, it still happens. Like if a guy wants to prove himself going from Texas State to um, Cal or so, you know, I mean, something, a big jump like that, or going from Texas, Prairie View A&M going to uh, University of Texas or Texas Tech. That's fine, but I, I think kind of stinks for those smaller schools. You lose your best player, but it happens still. That's the only area it's like, I'm like, come on, that finish out your career there but i get it too you want an opportunity to have a pro career hopefully in basketball so yeah it's all about recognition so it's it is what it is i don't have a problem with it it's just let me ask 20 year olds that want to go where they want to go let me ask you one question since we're on the topic it'll probably never come up again for a while i was debating because this has happened in football too to a less degree for well more kind of grad transfers would you be in favor of say because there's transfers where I need the hardship because my family comes here. Or there's the deal within the Mountain West. Utah State had a tight end going to Joe Fiwaku to BYU. Coach Wells is blocking the transfer to not allow him to play right away or be on scholarship. How would you feel? Because coaches have all the leverage here, of course. They can leave whenever they want and get a new job. How would you feel if a player were to be able to have, say, one transfer no matter what through their career, but a coach can't block it? So say you still have five years to play four, but say player A doesn't, doesn't like a situation at Colorado State – they're going to transfer and go to Colorado or go to Gonzaga and there's no penalty 
but they but they only get one of those in their career. I I don't know if this is exactly what you're getting at, but if a coach is fired, resigns, or goes to another school, and players want to transfer, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they have to sit out a year because it's something that was completely out of their hands and unexpected. Um, so, like, say, for San Jose State, they just made their coaching change. If, if uh, I don't know, Ryan Waylage wants to transfer, I don't think he should have to sit out a season. Obviously, it's late. It's August already, but that's just an example. Uh, blocking transfers I've never really liked because – it's college, it's 18 to 20-year-olds that want to improve their futures, whether it be in basketball or in academics. And it, they're there because they want to improve their future, just like anyone else that goes to college. So I think it's weird. I don't like the whole blocking transfers thing. I understand why it exists, but um, I'm pretty open to to transfers and how it's impacting college basketball right now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, if they get one a freebie that's not a grad transfer that's fine but anything beyond that you need exemptions or normal sitting out rules and stuff so because if it's one transfer it's like you're not going from school to school so mm-hmm. you're gonna at least you're gonna want to at least commit to obviously minimum a year maybe two years I'm like okay it's not for me because player is coming in or I'm not new not even a coaching change they're just not, it's not what they thought let them go it's like why do you want to keep a guy who's not there and so that's where my thought is like, but then again, you can't, once you're at your new school B, you can't get up and go again in a year just because, or there's an example real quick. We'll finish here. A USC quarterback a couple years ago, five-star blue chip guy. I don't, I don't even think he enrolled early in January. Like some guys do. He decided to transfer like not even a full week in the fall camp as a freshman. It's like, hmm. what are you doing? It's like, it's stuff like that where I'm not going to play. It's like, I, there's some people blame oh you're afraid of competition and whatnot it's maybe maybe not but i think if you could have one transfer that's a freebie essentially why not i think it's fair enough yeah i think it's fair i like i guess the only thing i don't like about all the transfers is when players do it just so they try to get the easy way out or you might have more competition if um like if a say a unlv center this year wants to transfer because brandon mccoy comes in I don't know about that because I think you should earn your keep. But as far as coaching changes go and blocking transfers, I think that's all pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, it's whatever. If you're on the schedule next year or conference, I'm like, that's okay. But even then, I'm like, just let them go. You don't want to be there. Just let them go. But that's that's our soapbox topic, I guess, for today. But <laughs> officially wrapping up the show, check out you at Betker underscore Eli, Jeremy Moss for myself, collegefootballnews.com. Um, obviously football news, basketball. We have a lot of basketball guys too. We got a couple of San Diego State guys coming in doing hoops. Obviously our UNLV guys doing good stuff. So keep on the lookout for that type of stuff. And we will uh, check out the, your, our next basketball show. What are we, August? What are we right now? August 5th at the moment, right? Is that today's date? Yes, I think so. Look for a new basketball show probably in about a month. And in the meantime, yes, we're always biased against your team.